This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Intimate Knowledge with Megan King. Shh. It's a show about sex. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Intimate Knowledge. I am your host, Megan King, where you can find me on Instagram at Megan King or go to GaiaHavenExperience.com and sign up for a women's growth retreat with me. There is um, several hot topics that I want to talk to you guys about before giving you an update on my life and honestly, my friends' lives too, because their sex lives are way more exciting than mine at the moment. Let's start with Bachelor. Zach Shalcross. So he teases how there's going to be no sex in the fantasy suite. Like that was the boundary that he put up for himself. And then he goes down this road and he's like, I, I mean, we're, I think they're teasing this. Like, what did they end up doing? I don't know. All right. So Jesse Palmer, who's now the host, that hunky former quarterback, he was like on ESPN for years and years, as far as I remember. I don't know. I'm not really a huge sports fan, but I am a huge hot dude fan. So I think that's what he's from. And I think he also was on The Bachelor or something like that. And anyways, he's hot. Okay. We like looking at him. He's a bunch of eye candy. We approve. And so so Jesse Palmer is like, okay, I don't know how this is gonna work. I like I I appreciate his sentiment, but like, come on, bro. Like, don't you have to have some sex with the person you're about to get on? you know down in your knee for and marry asked to marry you and 
listen, this is what I think. This guy, Zach, he's 26 years old. We all remember being 26. Like his brain has just fully developed and he's just like at age 25. And now he's had a full year with a fully developed brain and he's just really setting some, some good goals for himself and some wholesome goals and not going to have sex in the fantasy suite. He's 26, y'all. Like, we know how 26-year-old dick works, first of all. And second of all, we also know what it's like to keep promises pie in the sky when you're 26 years old. So that's cute, honey. That's cute, sweet Zach, that you're not going to have sex in the fantasy suite. Also, a terrible decision because have you? would you ever, ever have, have like just marry somebody without having sex with them first? Look, I'm not talking to the Christian right here. And if I am, then you might be leaving the Christian right at, at this point, if you're listening to me. So no, we're we're not getting married when we're 19 years old so that we can have sex with somebody. So just have sex, like see if that works with you. Like the, the chemistry is so important during sex. I would never, um, I, I would never do this. So like uh, th- this question my producer wrote for me, it says, Megan, would you get engaged without sex? Well, first of all, I don't even I guess I would get engaged because I would love to have a big honking diamond on my finger. But without sex, n- no. Like, I don't even want to get married again. So, no, I would de- definitely not do that without sex. And I, do I think it's for TV? I mean, maybe. Look, I mean, I think The Bachelor has historically been a very wholesome show. So I'm sure Sweet Zach was just trying to piggyback on that. And I just don't think that that's what happened. I think that he probably had sex with whoever he chose. And the bachelor, Jesse, well, Jesse Palmer, the host tells us that we are going to be very shocked and um, we're going to, we're going to like how it ends up. So that's great. That's cute, Zach. I hope you're having great, healthy, erotic, amazing, intimate sex with whoever you chose to be your wife. And I'm sure it's going to last forever and ever. And she's in it for the right reasons. And she deserves the rose and all the things that were supposed to be happening on The Bachelor. How many of those relationships have actually worked? But we love it anyways. The end. Let's move on. So Rachel Bilson, I remember her from that show, The O.C., because the OC, that show, it always kind of stuck with me because it reminded me of when I was on The Real Housewives of Orange County. I feel like I was a, like a real life living version of Rachel Bilson plus 10 years because I think she was a teenager on that show. I loved that show. It's been a long time. She says she hasn't experienced an orgasm from sex, not until she was 38 years old. She said this on Whitney Cummings podcast. I had Whitney Cummings on this podcast at one point too. She was talking about birth control. So I'm not talking about orgasms. Um, just birth control. Anyways, so Rachel says she her sex drive is out of control. It's this wild thing, she says, quote unquote. But she didn't have an orgasm from sex until she was 38 years old. But she could do it with her hands. But then she goes on to say in this article, because, okay, the reason she brings it up at all is because Whitney Cummings said she never had orgasm from sex until she was 40. Then I go on and read the article and then and then Rachel Bilson is like, well, wait a minute, not with like the D inside. So did she, has she had an orgasm with the D inside? I'm not really sure. But it's so interesting that there's these two grown women, more than grown women. They're, you know, mid, almost middle-aged women. God, I hate to say that because I'm the same age. I'm 38. But they, they're talking about openly about how they haven't had orgasms from sex. And I think that's something that we expect to happen, but it's not always that easy. And you have to be very 
comfortable and vulnerable with your partner in order for that to happen. But let's talk about the age, 38 and 40 years old. Wow. What if a man never had an orgasm from sex until his 40s? Now, this is why we need to think about it in this way, because these women are talking openly about it, how it hasn't happened for them, and clearly suffered in silence. Suffered, that might be a stretch, but using that term, but like, obviously, you know, they're probably thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Well, it's not like, it's communication, first of all, but here's a fun fact. Viagra was FDA approved in 1998. 1998. The first libido drug for women wasn't greenlit until 2015. Well, we ha- we've had birth control since the 70s, I believe, and uh, you know, like the pill, I guess, birth control. But but not you know, men. Forget about men. Like all, I, I feel like the pharmaceutical industry looks as women at women as as insurance hazards, you know, because we get pregnant and stuff, and like raise babies. And so they're going to give us some birth control. How nice of them so that we don't, you know, cause wreak additional financial havoc on the insurance system or their medical system when we have a baby. How nice of them. But, oh, men, goodness gracious, let's run to to FDA approve this this, uh, Viagra for them because we know that they want, that just shows you the inequity in who is who's making these drugs and who's making the decisions on putting money and finances behind researching these drugs i don't like it and that all trickles down into our mainstreams culture and society and what we find acceptable for instance back to rachel bilson and whitney cummings saying that they never experienced an orgasm from sex until they were in their late 30s or 40 it's because of the trickle down effect that women's sexual health and experiences are not valued as much as men's. Bingo. That's all there is to it. Okay. So I want to give you guys a quick update on my life as of lately. But first, I want to start with a couple of my friends because I feel like just is Mercury in retrograde or something? I thought we just got out of it. Are we back in again? Because shit is going down. So my friend, I've told you about her, her boyfriend cheated on her with a stripper and things just have gotten more out of hand than that. Like she is a successful woman and, um, they had a long distance relationship and basically he was saying, you know, I didn't think you took me seriously and therefore was gaslighting her and not taking their relationship seriously because basically he was saying how he felt inferior to her. Well, that's a big problem because as a successful woman, and I've I've honestly experienced the same thing. I thought it was going to be so easy to date because I don't need anything. I don't need kids. I don't need money. I don't need experiences. I can handle all of that. But instead, it was a complete opposite. And I think that's what is happening with her. And she thought she found this guy who just loved her and would do anything for her. And yet she finds out later on he's on dating apps and he's like going around dating people in different places. Well, anyways, so she's moved on from him or trying to by getting under someone else. Let's be honest. That's just how it works. And so it's honestly not that fulfilling because we're just looking for a replacement and the replacement doesn't exist. It's important to grieve that loss, you know, but we're all human. So we do what we got to do. She went on a date with this guy. He lives in Australia and it was an amazing date, she said. But where do they go from here? He has two kids in Australia. She has a couple kids in the States and how like how do you even make that happen it sucks and is it possible is it possible for someone living in australia and someone living in the states by the way both with means financial means 
to make a relationship work. And after one date or two dates, let's say, let's let's push it and say two dates. Is that possible? I don't know. Is it a mindset? Is it a way of thinking non-traditionally in order to make it work? Or is it just a hard, this is never going to happen, so we give up on it? It's a good question. I think it's a mindset. I think that you can make anything work, but how do you know? Where do you put the, the energy into it? Do you put the energy into it? It's interesting. So I don't know what my friend is supposed to do. Is she supposed to go for it with this guy and try to have another date with this guy in Australia? Or does she just chalk it up as like a one date, one night stand of fun and move on? I don't know. I also have another friend who is in her early 50s and she it looks like she's going through a breakup. She doesn't want this breakup. She's been married for like a million years, let's say, you know, over 20 years, over 20 years because she has a couple kids with this guy and they're older than 20. And all of a sudden he says to her, you know, I want to break up. And he it has always been a loner and she has always been social and that's worked for them. And But the problem with that is that he's not very communicative, although the sex is on fire. So he recently rented a house, not with, you know, outside of, so he could move out essentially for three months. And he says, you know, just give me three months and let's talk. Well, she says to him, well, I have a question. Are you going to pick up the bike? Like, are you going to, you know, there's logistical questions and he's basically not communicating on those. And she's like, but you told me you just need a break. And then what do we do next? Like, what are the boundaries? What are the parameters with here? She doesn't know how to operate within this new type of relationship that's been thrust upon her with her husband of 20 something years. And he responds to her. That's basically like, I don't know, figure like, I don't know, but I'm not talking to you. I just find that so selfish and unfair and it breaks my heart for her. And to me, it sounds like this is not going anywhere at all, except for straight to divorce court. And it, and it kills me that he sounds like, he just sounds like an asshole, just totally not even thinking about any of her needs after all these years. And it breaks my heart. So we've got that going on. And then with me, so you know, I'm talking to Will again on and off after three years of being on and off. And you know what I just realized last night? So we kind of had a little break for a while. He was dating someone else. And there we kind of like prior to him dating someone else had like a little tiff about some stuff, like some ski clothes that were being used by someone else. Anyways, I was pissed. He was still mad at me because I like went broke up with him and you know, during round two, which were on round three, and I broke up with them during round two, and then I got married. Sorry, whoops, big mistake on so many levels. And so, anyways, we didn't talk for a while, but the third time we started talking again right now was ex- on the exact anniversary of when the three year anniversary of when my ex husband left. So that's kind of weird, don't you think? Um, so we're not totally together, and. Uh, we're not totally together, but we are totally together. I'm totally committed to him. Um, I think he is to me. I don't know. That's not the point. The point is that it's working for now. And I'm happy with the space that I'm in. And it's such a new way of thinking for me. I've been doing a lot of healing from my narcissistic ex-husband that still continues to this day, the, the like, you know, narcissistic abuse and the coercive control. But 
I have been, been healing in that process. And through that healing, I'm getting sassier because I'm standing up for me and my needs. And I'm recognizing that they're unique to me and my desires and wants and what works for me is unique to me. And I don't need to fit into a model or a box or any like cultural norms. And that is been has been so freeing for me, especially in this relationship that I'm in right now, because it has allowed me to say, wait a minute, this might not look normal quote unquote normal or be the normal that I had in my brain, but this is working for me and it's so freeing. But get this. So I have a little secret. Um, I'm on this dating app, Raya, and I hope he doesn't listen to this or no one he knows tells him this because I love this little secret. But I'm on this dating app, Raya, and I have, and I'm on there only for just friends. And it's actually uh, good for me because I have connected with a couple people that have been, um, of interest professionally and we have remained you know only just you know professional friends and so i do have hope that this just for friends prompt that you can choose does actually mean just for friends and not just a way for like people to cheat on their partners and so but when you go on this app you can scroll down and everyone you've connected with or matched with i guess you can see if they're traveling so you all you have to put your hometown on your app, like on your bio page. So for me, it's St. Louis, Missouri. So every time I travel, if I go to Austin, Texas, for instance, and I open the app, it will automatically update on all my matches that Megan King is traveling to Austin, Texas. And that it's like a prompt on the front page. And so this guy I'm seeing, he had, you know, I know where he lives and, and I, he travels all the time. So I'm like logging in to see if it says like, he's traveling, he's traveling. I'm such a psycho stalker, but little tips like this help me. And I say, you know, like, oh, we're not dating or we're just friends or whatever. And yet here I am being a total psycho about like, is he logging into the dating app? And if he did, I think it would hurt my feelings. But like, I have no reason for that. I mean, I would be a total hypocrite if I called him out for it because I literally log into that app like every day to see if he's logging in. It's so bad. And he would see that I'm logging in because it would say I'm traveling. I don't even know if he's thinking that far. I don't even think it would matter, honestly. It's just kind of a silly little thing, but it's fun. Anyways, it, it's working for me now. So I'm going to go visit him tomorrow. I'm so excited to see him. And I think, you know, after three years on and off of doing this, I don't know, it's got to mean something, right? But my girlfriend, she um, has been in this relationship on and off for six years with this guy. And mainly like the last year and a half, they've been off. And But six years is a long time. And that's really almost like a marriage, especially at our ages. And she recently saw him. They live in different cities, but they had a dog together. She has the dog now. She recently saw him. And and oh, by the way, the dog situation relationship, this is a real issue. It's literally like sharing custody for some people, which like I know I love girly girls so much so I can understand that. But God, I would want to cut ties. Like ha having to co-parent with my ex is just such a nightmare. Like if I had a dog with him, I'd be like, just take the freaking dog. Like, would I though? I don't know. I say that. So she's been with this guy for six years on and off. They, she, they see each other. They say they love each other. They say, I love you. They say, uh, I'll always love you. They have sex. It's, you know, great sex. They have this dog together. And then 
it's like, okay, you got to go. You got to go. And he said this to her, you know, eyes wide open going into this. I don't think this is healthy for you. I think that you get too emotionally attached, but, but, but she's like, no, I want to stay like this. is I, you know, you've been a big part of my life for the last six years and you were saying we love each other and no, I'm fine. I can handle this. And then when it comes time for her to leave, she's like, well, I kind of want to stay. And he's like, no, you need to go. And then it feels like a breakup all over again. So he is able to really, it seems like, take away that emotional component and just make it about sex. But why is he saying I love you then? That's so, that just, that seems just almost disrespectful. But it kind of sounds like he's saying it from a practical standpoint. Like he's just saying, I love you, you know, like I'll always love you. Like almost like I appreciate who you are as a person, not saying I'm in love with you and I want to be with you and I want to work on this. It's just like, I love you from afar. And I have a million people in my life like that. But are you allowed to say that if you were in a relationship that was romantic for so many years? Is that fair to say? And then is it fair? She says, you know, this is this is not what I should do, but I do it anyway. And now she feels like she's been broken up with all over again after a year and a half of breaking up. And here we are. We're almost, we're approaching 40 years old. No, if if we if you're in your late 30s and you were in a long-term relationship that kind of feels like a marriage and you break up and there was no marriage and there was no kids, I think those are often overlooked for women as being kind of like the last time that they could have children potentially. And it's just a very lonesome place to be. And I see you ladies. I see how hard that is. I can't imagine how that must feel. It's like this coming to Jesus moment that we're all reaching around the same time. And I think that, you know, you re this really could be your time to shine. And I'm sorry that it hurts. <sighs> On that very sad note, by the way, heavy note, let's go into something a little bit lighter. So we have Cindy Darnell joining us today. She is an author and a sex therapist. She has a lot of interesting things to say about sex and intimacy and what it means and mismatched libido. So without further ado, let's bring her in. Cindy Darnell. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Cindy Darnell is with us today. Cindy Darnell is an Australian board, but New York City-based clinical sexologist, sex therapist, relationship coach, and author of the book, Sex When You Don't Feel Like It, The Truth About Mismatched Libido and Rediscovering Desire. Cindy, welcome to Intimate Knowledge. Thank you for joining us today. Lovely to meet you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you about your book and what you do. And your story is just so fascinating. And also, like, you just seem incredibly successful. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want to start with the name of the book, Mismatched mm. Libido. That's what stuck out to me in okay. the title of the book. Um, can you explain that? So Mismatched Libido is a phrase, I guess, that we use in clinical circles. But it's also a phrase, I think, that people use just, you know, in, in normal discussion. And it means that what, you know, the frequency of sex that you want is different than your partner or the intensity of the sex that you want is different than your partner. And while, you know, that term mismatched libido sounds like a diagnosis, mm -hmm. it's really just a descriptor. It's a way of talking about a situation that couples will experience where one wants it more than the other and it's actually very, very normal. It's very common. I would say that it happens at different stages to 100% of couples. Mm. And it's nothing to be alarmed about, but it is something that does need attention because if it's left to fester and just, you know, if people just sweep it under the carpet and, and pretend that it's not really happening, over time it can become a really big problem. So it's, I, I say that not to freak people out. There's nothing freaky about it, but it does need to be addressed. Well, it's, I, I loved reading this because I never knew that there was a term for it. I'm not, you know, I, I, I do have this podcast, but I'm just a lay person. I'm not a professional like you. And so I'm learn, I learn, you know, all about this from people like you. And I, it, it makes me kind of go down this rabbit hole in my own life thinking, well, when I was married to my first husband, I remember we didn't have sex for, for nine months and yeah. he, and we didn't have children. We were in our twenties mm -hmm. and that was, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? But I didn't talk to anybody about it. And then when I was pregnant with my twins, I all of a sudden had a sex drive and my husband didn't want to have sex with me toward the end of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And again, I, we, nobody really talked about it. And it's so nice to hear, to, to hear you, you say, you know, that this is very normal, but how, mm. how do couples, I mean, what do you do to help couples move beyond that? So first of all, I, I, at the outset, I have to teach people, uh, how libido works. So libido is 
kind of you know it, it, it's a it's a it's not really a clinical word, but it, it's a word that means desire. You know, mm-hmm. do do you want it or do you not want it? Okay. And because we tend to think of being in the mood, let's say, which is a phrase that everybody knows, we tend to think of being in the mood as being the same as horniness, right? Yeah, I definitely do. Right. And they're different. They're very, very different. Because horniness is like, uh, it's like hunger, you know, and and we can identify hunger. Are you hungry? Are you not hungry? Um, And, you know, we think about hunger in in the context of eating food. However, Mm -hmm. when we think about eating food, and this is why I use it as a useful metaphor, people don't eat because they're hungry. People eat because there is you often some other incentive. I mean, occasionally we eat because we're hungry, but mostly we'll eat because, say, for example, you came to my house and I made a chocolate cake and I mm-hmm. said, hey, I made this cake, you know, and I I, I want to give you a piece. And, and then you I would sit eat down. It. Right. But you might not be hungry. And you, or you'll say to me, you know, well, I just had lunch. I'm actually not hungry. And I'm like, come on, I just made this cake. Come on, just try it. And I cut a tiny piece for you and I put it in front of you. And then you run your finger along the frosting and then you lick the frosting and you're like, fuck, this is amazing. Right? This mm. is so delicious. Mm-hmm. And then you pick up the fork and then you have one mouthful and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is a, this is really good. You know, and I start telling you about what I put in it. And then you're like, and the next thing you know, you've eaten the whole thing, even though you weren't hungry at the outset you didn't really feel like it but you decided once you started eating it your body got acclimated to it your mouth was kind of like oh yeah actually I, I want now uh-huh. I want this and then you ate the whole thing and so you that's felt the satisfied mood. it was delicious so that's the mood so the that's thing the is because we associate horniness as the reason that people have sex for some people that is the reason that people have sex but for a lot of people especially people in long-term relationships horniness is not the reason they have sex in the same way that hunger is not the reason we eat and once we can start thinking about sex through a lens of you know, what kinds of situations, what kinds of conditions could I be tempted to get in the mood? You know, if I cut you a small slice of cake, you could eat it. But if I put the whole cake in front of you, maybe you're like, oh, I can't eat a whole cake right now. So we need to start thinking about sex much more through the lens of what inspires us to get it on rather than am I horny or am I not horny? Because that's that's an oversimplified way of understanding sex. And for people, especially people in long-term relationships, it's not it's not a useful or reliable way to think about sex. So I have twofold question. Why does that mm-hmm. happen? Why does libido fall off in a long-term relationship? That's number one. And the second part of that is what how how does someone who is struggling with this libido in their relationship find what's the first step that they could take if they don't know where to start? Mm-hmm. So there's lots of theories about why libido falls off in a relationship. The primary one is that it's actually not a problem that that people are having, that there's not necessarily an indication that something wrong is wrong. It's actually the way that we humans conceptualize libido. That's actually where the problem is, that we think that sex is natural. We think that, you know, horniness just descends out of the sky and lands on us and bang, we're just down to, you know, get it on at any time of the day. And what we're discovering more and more is that for a lot of people, that's just not how sex works. So it's not so much that horniness disappears in long-term relationships. It's more that how we imagine sex working is actually not how it works. Most of us get our sex and relationship education from Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Um, mainstream Hollywood and also Mm -hmm. from porn right Mm -hmm. and 
even Disney, we get our, sec- mm-hmm. our yeah. relationships information from that, right? Heterosexual. Yeah, especially heterosexual uh-huh. people. So, um, and this is why so many people struggle with sex and relationships, because unless you study sex and relationships at the level, say, that someone like me has, which most people don't, right. you are operating on very, 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 very limited information. You go into relationships based on what perhaps you see your parents do, maybe what you see your friends and other yeah. relatives do. And then the rest of the information we just get from from the media, and most of that is wrong. It just is. And the reason that it's wrong is because a lot of these, you know, outlets are trying to make money. They're trying to catch your attention. They're not actually interested in teaching people the machinations of sex and relationships because actually sex and relationships, the work of sex and relationships, it's not very, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not a spectator sport. It's not very interesting to watch and it's really, really hard work. So it's very, very hard to make that attractive, but Hollywood and porn have found a wonderful way of packaging it and making it dazzling. And so we see these shows that are like, you know, hot bodies and all this kind of stuff and like, yeah, cool. All right. It's entertainment and and it functions perfectly fine as entertainment entertainment that's its job it entertains us but when we have nothing else to compare it to and we think what we're seeing in in you know tv shows and hollywood and porn is real then we compare ourselves to what we're watching and think why isn't my sex life like that or why isn't my relationship like Mm -hmm. that it's not because of uh, you know something being wrong with us it's because the information we're given the way we think about sex is utterly broken so that's really the reason that sex drops off. The other thing is too, when we first start dating somebody, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. It's a shiny new thing. And this Definitely. is true across all. The drug. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people, it, you can't, how do you, it, it, but it can be with anything. It can be, you know, with a yeah. new toy, a new, right. you've got a new car, right. a new house, a new pet, a new child, anything new will hold our attention for, you know, several months, maybe a year or two. And then over time, our brains, so the actual mush inside our heads, starts to acclimate to that thing. And what was once interesting just becomes normal. That doesn't mean we don't love our partners anymore. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we don't love our pets anymore. It doesn't mean we don't love our friends or our kids or whatever it is. We don't equate these things. We have to not equate this with love. It's a separate thing. However, because of our reduced sex education, we start to think, if I'm not interested in that thing anymore or if I'm not interested in that, you know, what I was once interested in, if I feel different than I used to, our brains or or our minds rather automatically go to maybe that means I'm not in love anymore. Maybe this means I'm with the wrong person. Maybe this means, and we start making meaning out of stuff. But the meaning that we make is essentially stuff that we're, you know, just imagining it's stuff that we're making up now sometimes that can be an accurate assessment Uh you know sometimes it does mean we're falling out of love but often it means we're making do with the limited knowledge that we have and so we draw conclusions based on you know just stuff that we reckon and often those things are wrong so this is where it becomes essential that we're able to see the difference between love and sex because our culture tells us they're the same and they really behave very, very differently when we start to separate them. Does that make sense? It, it totally makes sense. And kind of what I'm thinking with, with this explanation of like, if we get bored or whatever, 
from the patriarchal point of view is um, a man married to his wife and taking mistresses all over the place, you know, like that old fashioned kind of like Hollywood ideal. And that's, you know, that would be the desire and, and what was interesting is still interesting because you have, you know, different women, but then you have your wife who you supposedly are supposed to love at home. Right. But that's that old, again, that's that old Hollywood view of, of kind of like what happens, you know, in like the, I don't know, Sopranos or whatever, you know, those kind of shows. And, but if, if this is, we recognize this as something that, it happens to 100% of relationships at some mm-hmm. time or another. Mm-hmm. What are steps that we can take to find those morsels of chocolate cake and, and get mm. in the mood? So when you think back to the times in your relationship when the sex was working, when it sort of felt like it was coming more easily than, than at other times, that is often the place where we can go to get the information we need to work out. All right, how can I get back to that place? So for a lot of people, it tends to be the beginning of the relationship. You're dating. You don't see each other all the time. You're not bogged down mm-hmm, with a lot mm-hmm, of stress mm-hmm. and pressure and family drama and it tends to be when things are lighter and easier that the, you know, the erotic kind of imagination is, is a bit more fired up. Now, obviously, if you're sort of locked down into a relationship that where you can't not see each other every day, it's right. going to be hard to to alter that. So then we need to start thinking about, well, you know, if I am able to get a couple of hours a day to myself or a couple of hours even a week to myself, if my partner can take some of the burdens and responsibilities off of me that that might allow my body time to you know to relax and what we know really i think for a lot of people particularly women is that our libidos our turn-ons can come online when we are relaxed when our nervous systems have had a chance to relax which is why people might describe you know, feeling in the mood more frequently on vacation or feeling Mm. in the mood more frequently on the weekends because their bodies have time to literally decompress. We And what we know from science is that this kind of um, sexual desire is often called responsive desire. So that means that the body is responding to arousal in the context of of something that's happening around it. So the, the responsive desire might happen in response to touch, to making out, to, you know, hand sex, that kind of stuff. But it can also be emotional cues. It can be environmental cues. So environmental cues are, have I had enough sleep? Am I able to relax because I know that the sheets are clean and the kids are safe and the dog's been walked and so I can just chill out and have a glass of wine for a couple of hours. These are the kinds of things that are going to create the mood for somebody who has a responsive desire style. The other desire style that we tend to think of more commonly is the spontaneous desire style. That Mm -hmm. is the style that we see in Hollywood. That's the style that we see in porn where you're just kind of up for it, ready to go, no incentive, no nothing. It just kind of happens we generally in society, we tend to ascribe that desire style to men, but it's not always true for men in the same way that responsive desire is not always true for women. Men will often describe that they have a more of a spontaneous desire style, but even still, that tends to be men who are younger, men mm-hmm. who are, say, over 40, uh, have less uh 
even if at one time maybe they're experiencing spontaneous desire mm-hmm. as men age that incentive tends to drop back and they also can become quite responsive later in life. So this whole oh, thing about, you know, men are like this and women are like that, there, you know, there are some differences, absolutely there are some, but the differences between men and women are much, much less than we once thought they were and a lot of them are actually socially constructed differences that mm. we can also change because if we started to treat men and women with greater, you know, equality and greater reverence, a lot of these you know, weird power dynamics that can exist in relationships can shift things. And that ultimately means better sex for women, especially for women who have sex with men. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Tuesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. It kind of gets my wheels turning right now because I'm currently in a relationship that I've been on and off with this person for three years and we don't live in the same place. And I'm a mom of three young kids, a single mom, um, you know, a four hour plane flight away from where he lives. And um, he it, he really is kind of he, single guy, like zero responsibility other than himself and successful, likes, you know, to have tons of friends and doesn't really want to be a dad. 
And so in the past, we thought this can't work between us. Well, now we're now I feel like I'm of the mindset. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't really need a co-parent. I need a sounding board. I'm not really looking for a stepdad. I'm or like somebody I, I do just great at managing my household as it is, but I am looking for a partner and a sounding board and, you know, somebody to accept me for who I am. And so we've kind of just been going through this relationship the past few months, seeing each other, you know, when we can, maybe it's on vacation, maybe I'll go where he is, maybe he'll come where I am. And and the mood stays in the mood. We stay mm-hmm. in the mood because we have that break from each other and we have right. the independence in our own lives happening. But then we were talking about this and we're like, well, does this work long term, this non-traditional relationship? And in my head, it's kind of what you're saying. Let's mm-hmm. break down those social constructs and do what works for us because this is what is working for us. I don't need a co-parent. Absolutely, yeah. I need somebody who's just like a friend who I feel intimate with and safe with. Mm-hmm. So maybe it can work. Cindy. It totally can work. Anything can work. Anything can work. And again, like that traditional model that we've been fed of, you know, mom, dad, kids, house, dog, car, right. you know, all of that. That's fine for some people some of the time. But, you know, we also have a ton of evidence that that really doesn't work. For well, I'm 38 people. years old and it took me this long to figure out that that's and I have all of that and I built it on my own and I like it. Right. But it's it doesn't it doesn't feed my soul. It just right, is, you know, yeah. right. And again, you know, we've just been fed this and this is all mm-hmm. what sort of gets fed to us through the media from a young age. That right. This is aspirational that once you can have all this stuff, then you're going to be happy. No, you're not. Happiness is generated through how we live our lives in a, from a place of meaning, from a place of kind of purpose and passion. And I love what you say about that with intimacy. That's finding it with your, in yourself first. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think ultimately we need connection. Like we need we need relationships, but we don't necessarily need romantic relationships. And we certainly don't necessarily uh, need heteronormative relationships. What we need is meaningful connection with communities. So whether Mm -hmm. that is friends, lovers, family, you know, people that you play golf with, whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as you have meaningful relationships. And if you decide that sex is going to be part of that meaningfulness, Great. And if you decide that sex is not going to be part of that meaningfulness, great. But the whole thing I think that really screws people up is this whole idea that, you know, sex is natural. It just descends out of the sky. When you're with the right person, it's effortless. And that is complete BS. If any relationship worth having is a relationship that requires attention, requires investment, requires you to, you know, to really to put in effort and that be is going to be emotional, physical, sexual intellectual like whatever you want it to be and there are going to be people in your life who you enjoy doing hobbies with but the conversations perhaps not so great or people Mm -hmm. that you have really beautiful Mm -hmm. conversations with but you'd never dream Mm -hmm. of having sex with them and then maybe there are people in your life that you have sex with but you're like "Mm," you know there are other things about them that I I wouldn't sort of consider any more than that and it's okay for us to to recognize that, you know, in a in a little community, different people offer us different things. And I think, you know, this current sort of state that we're in socially, people are starting to question some of these sacred cows of sex and relationships. And they're starting to say, well, maybe the traditional model of marriage and family doesn't work for me. It didn't mm-hmm. work for my parents. I, you know, maybe grew up in a single parent family or whatever, or, uh, you know, my mum married another woman. And so now then we became a queer blended family. There are so many variations now that where we can create happy, stable communities 
that that old 1950s model, we're really starting to question it. And for folks who are listening to like, I'm, you know, I do really well in the 1950s model. Great. That's awesome for yeah. you, but right. you are a minority. The vast majority of people don't thrive in that model and that that is okay. And the labor, the, you know, the work is on us to ask ourselves and do that self-inquiry around, you know, what matters to me? Do I want a partnership or am I okay with a long distance thing? Am I polyamorous? Am I bisexual? Am I, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Right. You can be, or for the first time in human history, you can be all those things. And that is absolutely amazing. That something is to wonderful. celebrate. Yeah. I always say in the show how um, we as a society place very little emphasis on, on um, non-romantic relationships mm. and, um, and just platonic relationships in general. And it's, it's that those also take a lot of work. And that I think we're saying the same thing that those are just as beneficial as a romantic relationship and need to be worked on and, and farmed and cultivated in the same way. Yeah. I mean, if anything, they can be more beneficial than right. romantic relationships because those, we know that those relationships need to be grown and cultivated. We know that those relationships need to be cherished but because of the way we've been taught about romance we've been told that romance is something that just sort of happens by itself and that we don't need to do anything to you know incentivize it which you know is bs in the same way that friendships emerge with consistency and application and putting in effort and you know and listening and talking and all of the things that we know from research and from practice make a relationship nourishing and and sustaining our our fantasies about romance are the cause of so much pain in people's Mm -hmm. lives and it's it's really difficult I think for people to initially start to grasp that the source of their suffering is not something that's inherently wrong with them. It's the fact that they have been tricked into mm-hmm. believing tricked. adulthood is going to be this kind of way. And then they get there and they're like, oh, my God, this is like is this? it's like it's just not working. And it's not because you're crazy or effed up or anything like that. It's because we've just been fed a bunch of stories that are all BS and then we get to our thirties and forties and go, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, wait, I need to do arrive. this differently. Yeah, I'm in my spicy phase now. <laughs> exactly. So you say, and I want to go back to this because you brought this up a little bit earlier. You said sex is 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 thought of as being natural, and it's mm-hmm. not. Can you explain mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So what I mean by that is, sex is something that we learn how to do. Nobody is good at sex the first second third tenth time they do it even with the same with a new person the first second third time you do it you have to learn how they are you have Mm -hmm. to learn how you are in response to them and depending you know how many partners you've had through the course of your life you'll start to notice that how you show up sexually if you give yourself permission to actually have a real connection with that person you're going to show up differently sexually with each different person because it's what's co-created between you that becomes the thing that makes it special. If you are operating the same in all of your sexual relationships, including a solo sexual relationship, because Mm -hmm. the first partner that most of us have sexually is ourselves, and I strongly encourage that. It's a convenient one too. Yeah. And so if you, you know, showing up the same means I, I would suggest that you're not really then paying attention to the dynamic between you. You're not really bringing 
the, you know, the, the quality of presence and attention to it if your focus is only on yourself and you're not noticing how your partner is responding to you. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea that sex is natural implies that the first time you start making out with someone, you know what to do, that the first time you you know, give somebody a hand job, you know what to do. The first mm -hmm. time you finger somebody that you know what to do, you don't know what to do. Right. You need to learn it. Learn and them. there's no shame in taking a class or reading a book or listening to a podcast or asking somebody about how do I make this feel better for my partner or how do I make this feel better for me? But instead, again, this is a social thing. We've been tricked into thinking that sex is natural. Therefore, we don't need to teach it. Therefore, we don't need to talk about it. And if you have a problem with it, if your sex life is in some way unsatisfying, that's on you because mm -hmm. sex is natural and you should just know how to do it. Heavy, so yeah. that's that's why I say to people, no, 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 sex is not natural. You have to learn how to do it. If you want to learn how to cook, if you want to learn how to play guitar, if you want to learn how to draw, if you want to learn how to play sports, you go to a coach, you go to a teacher, you go to a something, class, you right. take a class in it. Yet we you. don't talk about sex like this. Why? You know, because of this stigma that sex is natural, you don't have to teach it, it just magically happens. This is why we have, as a society, we have so many problems with sex, because we don't know what we're doing. We don't teach it. And we leave young people, especially just to go out into the wilderness and work it out right. for themselves. And of course, they're going to make mistakes and get into trouble, not because they're bad people, but because nobody taught no, them nobody how to do it them. differently. Somebody just asked me on this on the last episode of the show how they should start talking to their kids about the birds and the bees. You know, their kids have have like started to reach that age. And my response was, well, like that that should just be a fluid, ongoing conversation. You know, it should have happened before. You know, there, there should never be like a birds and the bees talk necessarily if it's right. about sex. It's all about you know being open and giving age appropriate information. Um, but I want to ask you: Is bad sex a relationship deal breaker? It can be. It can yeah. be, it depends so on the people too. involved. For some people, it will be a deal breaker. And for others, they're quite happy to carry on a relationship that's meaningful to them and that mm -hmm. there's no sex. And it's quite, you Woof. know, from the outside, it might look like a platonic relationship, but they right. work very well as, you know, finance partners, co-parents, you know, co-dog taking caring of um, or, you know, maybe they've been married for 20 years and they're like, really, the sex here is just, it's never been good. It's still not good, but we operate really well as a family. We don't want to uproot the kids. We don't want to, you know, the labor we would have to go through to get a divorce is not worth it. Yeah. So we've come to an agreement, an intentional, deliberate, con conscious agreement that we're going to have our sex elsewhere, mm -hmm. but this dynamic of the family, family or the relationship, whatever it is, works really well for us for all of these reasons. And we're going to keep this going. Again, this is just a, a pretty much a patriarchal construct that relationships have to ha have sex in them. They can if they if you want them to. And if you don't want to have sex as part of your relationship, that's also perfectly okay. Okay, so tell me what, what um, has a better chance of making it work in a relationship non monogamy or monogamy? Knowing yourself is the best way to have mm. a good relationship. It doesn't matter what style of relationship you choose. As long as you know yourself, you are honest with yourself and then your partner or partners, that's what's going to make a relationship work. Trying to just fit a model, you know, trying to fit a monogamy model is no healthier than trying to fit a non-monogamy model. If you're trying to, you know, 
squeeze yourself into a space that doesn't fit for you, it's never going to feel good. But knowing yourself, learning how to ask for what you want, learning how to say yes to the things you want, learning how to say no to the things you don't want, learning how to compromise, learning how to listen, learning how to really show up and be multidimensional in relationships, that's what makes a relationship mm. good. Yeah, It doesn't matter what to, you call it. Back to communication, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where can everybody find you, Cindy? And where can we find your book? Where can we get coaching sessions with you? Retreat information? Tell us. All the things. So go to my website, cindydarnell.com, C-Y-N-D-I-D-A-R-N-E-L-L.com. Everything's there. The book is there with a whole bunch of listings of places you can get it online or uh, your little indie bookstore. If they haven't got it on the shelves, get them to order it in. Yeah. Uh, all my coaching, counseling services are online. I've got online courses as well. I work with people across the world. And um, I have a podcast called The Erotic Philosopher, which is on mm. hiatus right now, but uh, I'll start it up again at some point. We'll get back to that. Yeah. And uh, I have a lot of information on my site because a lot of my work is sort of education based, actually teaching people the skills to help them navigate sex and relationships on their own terms. And I work with lots of different relationship styles, lots of different orientations. You know, the world of Fifty Shades of Rainbow is very much my jam. Fifty Shades of Rainbow, that's awesome. I'm not interested in (laughs) trying trying to all make people, you know, make everybody be the same cookie cutter you know, each of us is unique and our, our sex and relationships are going to be unique because of that. Well, I want to come to a coaching session with you. And awesome. so I, we will be in touch. But thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us this wealth of information. I took a lot of notes for me to think about. So yeah, Wonderful. I will take you with me in the future. Thank you so much, Cindy Darnell, for joining You're us welcome. today. You're welcome. Love talking to Cindy Darnell. So happy she was here to join us. So until next week on Intimate Knowledge, you guys, Keep it sexy because if I know, you know. Okay? Bye-bye. Subscribe to Intimate Knowledge on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.